Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Cruise Control, Ask a Car Guy Anything. It's our lovely Sunday afternoon podcast, and I'd like to thank our sponsors, Amarillo National Bank. They're literally everywhere, including Palace Coffee House here at 34th and Summit. Thank you, Palace, and thank you, Amarillo National Bank. Part two of our podcast, previews from the 2019 North American Auto Show. Kevin, take it away. Um... As we talked about in the last episode, just a whole lot of stuff that was being offered. In this particular episode, we're going to narrow down to three things in our particular neck of the woods that might appeal to people. First one being the the resurgence of two-door sports cars. You know, you have your Mustang, Camaro, and Challenger. And with the additions of the GT350 and now the GT500 to the Mustang line, you have the challenger uh hellcat red eye and with the addition of the toyota supra along with uh uh, the current gen camaro camaro zl1 corvette you name it how do all these vehicles you know add up and how do they impact the the automotive world now as the as the the sports car is returning i mean flat out no doubt about it it's on its way back, if not already here. Um, the second part of the segment, or the second segment today, will be the new HDs. How do they all stack up? The Ram is offering their next generation here pretty soon, maybe debuting in the summer, if not here late spring. How do Ford and GM stack up against it? How does GM's new Silverado and Sierra HD? You know, how do they how do they stack up? And um, the third part of our podcast today is going to be how the third row crossover is is becoming very, very big. And with it being the way that it is now with all the automakers having an offering in this segment, is it a rise to power for this segment? Or will it be symbolic of the full-size SUV, so if you drive a Yukon, a Tahoe, an Expedition, you know, things like that, is it going to be the end of those? Uh, We'll discuss that here in a little bit, but those are the three major topics of discussion, so uh, JP, back to you, buddy. Oh my gosh. (laughs) What is going on with the industry? Six months ago, we heard that sedans and cars are over with. I think I remember saying... This is cyclical. It's a full circle effect. And here we go. Two-door coupes all over the place. What's going on? I think that this is just a knee-jerk reaction to these manufacturers losing the four-door sedans. They've got to feed the need, and everybody wants a car. Cars are not bad, people. Cars are not bad. So I think this is just a reaction. I feel like it's going to be a good reaction, a positive reaction, because everybody likes an economical two-door sedan. As we're sitting here, I'm watching a two-door Mustang convertible pull up, okay? They're out there. People love them. People want them. People need them. I don't think everybody has 16 kids in their house and have to have a third-row SUV. I've I'm experiencing clients right now that are coming into the dealership 
It happened last week. A young lady that has four kids, she says, I don't know why I've got this Yukon XL. <laughs> I'm like, okay, what do you want to do? She says, I want to trade it in and get us something smaller and more efficient. So people are starting to learn that there's needs, wants, and desires. And it's okay to have a Yukon XL if you're going to utilize all that room, but here we go. She wants a mid-sized sedan. She wants to be economical. Uh, she lives in the panhandle. So there are those people that realize that that need is not as critical as they thought it was because they're not toting around the soccer team every single day. Uh, those Yukon XLs, those Expeditions, those giant Chevy Suburbans, those things are big and they drink a lot of gas and a lot of fuel and they take up a lot of room in a garage. So I think the audience... Our clients, the automotive buying world, I think they're educating themselves after some short time of learning that sedans are going to go away. I think they're they're speaking up and they're saying, "Hey, look, let, let's uh, let's buy a four door sedan. There's nothing wrong with a four door sedan. It doesn't have to be a gigantic Park Avenue. I get that. I get the Lacrosse going away. That's a big vehicle." Uh, so with that being said, I will tell you this, in our industry, we've got grumblings and rumblings going on of Buick introducing two more crossovers in the next two years. Don't know what they are, don't know how big they're going to be, but crossovers are what people want because they're more versatile. They're very versatile where you can fold third row seating down or fold second row bench seats down and have plenty of cargo room that's enclosed and you can travel and move and you know have a hobby or do something. So crossovers are not going away. I think they're going to take over that niche market and I think it's going to be positive because the sedans have gone away so that crossover area is going to get filled in with that. Kev? Uh, just kind of chaining off what you were saying about crossovers being uh, being capable of taking over or cornering a market now. They even make uh, driver oriented uh, uh, additions of these you know, or additions of these uh, I don't want to call them compacts, but they're not necessarily mid-size either. So they're somewhere in the middle. Um, I mean, they, they have offerings where these are putting out close to 350, if not 400 horsepower or more. And it's we hinted in on it really in the in the last edition that these vehicles, like these types of vehicles, are are adding appeal to the driver that says, "Hey, I have a family." that I do family things with, but at the same time, I have an even speed and I have a left foot and <laughs> I want to go fast doing all these things. So, you know, Ford with the ST market, the ST badge uh, division, uh, FCA, which is Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, having the SRT, so anything like the Hellcat or RT, you know, stuff like that. I mean, these are, these are vehicles that have big burly V8s in them, and they're not just for towing. They're more for fun than than anything. It's really a uh, an evolving segment 
that should be watched out for in the next five years. Like you were saying, JP, the mm-hmm. sedan is definitely, you know, riding off into the sunset in favor of these new crossovers. So it's, I would say it's an evolution of the crossover and a revolution for them all at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, taking over this passenger vehicle or passenger car yeah. denomination. I agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think something's going on with this and with the with the landscape of the industry, you just look around and you know that, you know, and I mean this in the nicest way possible. Gosh, there wasn't like there wasn't anything like it in the world when you when you were a little kid in the early '70s. And yes, I'm that old, but it was awesome when you were in your grandpa's sedan. Well, you know that generation's going away, you know, and, and they're slowly forgetting that the sedan. You know, it's the landscape of America. You know, there's nothing like a Buick Century station wagon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, or and Continental, or the, exactly the Cadillac Con- Brome, or whatever. Brome and the and the Buick Roadmaster, and you know, those those boats are gone. But I think you know, once they go away, and and that generation, you know, passes with grace, uh, I think that you're going to find that. Eventually, in maybe 10 years, the sedans might come back. But until then, they're not going to. And it's crossovers that people want because you've got everybody moving into being an entrepreneur. They own their own business. They want to go do stuff on the weekends. They're hiking, they're camping, they're fishing. Uh, you know, it's we're sitting here at the, at the coffee shop and I'm looking at the parking lot and today is a packed day. And I'm counting, you know, over a dozen mid-size sedans that are in the parking lot and nothing but crossovers after that and one or two pickup trucks. So you can look at the landscape and you can see what's happening. And if you know it and understand it, that's what's going on. We're in a very, very young, immature age of the industry changing, I feel I feel like right now we're at the the foothills of what we're fixing to climb up to, which is going to be these crossovers that are going to be multiversal, all-wheel drive, and have inclination sensors, and be able to do all kinds of things. And like in the Acadias, it's moved into creating a new a new system with the all-wheel drive where you can turn it on or off. That's really different you know I never thought that they would have all-wheel drive that you can turn on or off and, and it's there so things are really really changing right now and it's very interesting if you're in the buying stage uh, you've got a lot of choices <laughs> a lot you know uh, as, a, as a segue you also have that with just the truck market in general I mean trucks nowadays are you know you have your basic work truck or you can scale all the way up into the most decadent luxury offerings for a truck. And 15 years ago, that wasn't a thing like, at all. And now with the halftime market setting the tone for the setting the tone for the industry, they're becoming a lot more versatile with the additions of you know, halftime diesels. And you see the um, you see these new diesels from Ford, GM. You'll be seeing those here in a couple of months, and 
with the the eco diesel from uh, FCA, which is Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, being able to do all the light in grunt work or for the light truck market, you know, the half ton, you know, it brings up the second part of our segment, you know, the heavy duty stuff, the stuff that's commercial, you know, like construction, things like that. I don't know about that. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say right now, mark this day and time, I think the diesel engines in the trucks, unfortunately, are just a knee-jerk reaction to the industry having to please the EPA. Something's going on in the truck market right now. If you would have told me five years ago I'm going to be selling a $70,000 half-ton truck, I would have told you you're crazy. Yeah. Okay? In a few short five years, I'm going to be selling a $70,000 half-ton truck. Not a Duramax diesel, not a 2500, not an F250, a half-ton truck. So something's going on in the truck market. Trucks have gone berserk, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and I love them, and I sell them, and they're great vehicles, and I'm not going to deny that, but they really have gone crazy. Uh, they're unbelievable right now. And what's interesting is the segment of trucks is fragmenting. It's fragmented because I'm not having clients coming in, coming in and going, um, I just need a work truck with rubber floors and a V8 engine. You know, those things have gone completely commercial. And I think what's happening is they've gone completely commercial with those. Something's going to happen with Chevy and GM, we don't know. There's grumblings of GM not building any more commercial vehicles and letting Chevy have the whole thing. Uh, I don't know about that. I think that would be very interesting. but. Those trucks are out there, they get fed into the market because these companies are buying them and they're running them for two or three years and putting 50,000 miles on them and they're getting out of them and getting back into a new one. So commercial vehicles are out there, you can buy used ones. There's one across the street, I can see one from here. Uh, you can go to auctions and pick them up all day long from the uh, local uh, supplier of electricity and the local supplier of natural gas and things like that. They burn through them and they trade them in. Uh, they become rental vehicles, they become leased vehicles. Uh, the local um, rental company, I'm not going to mention any names, but you know, they have them, you can see them, and, and they get traded in. So it's very interesting where the truck market is going, and I just wonder when is it going to slow down, or if it is. Thoughts, Kevin? Uh, just kind of chaining off that, the you have Ford introducing their current gen Super Duty back in uh, late 2016, early 2017. So if you have a new one of these, this is what you're driving. Uh, GM offering the Silverado and the Sierra HDs later on this summer. And then the new uh, Ram coming out probably, probably here in the spring, not too far off or early summer. Um, the commercial applications for these trucks are, like JP said, they're really starting to go away. They're all becoming privatized for personal use and just having, quote, commercial application. Uh, just the HDs, just with diesel being what it is for pulling and towing and all that stuff. The Ram is reporting 
a thousand pound feet of torque GM and Ford or sniffing real close but still underneath that number and um, I mean, it might be just a, a race to the finish for those but there might be some new competitors coming into that I know we released the 3500 HD Sierra for 2020 it's going to be out here in the middle of spring and GM's claiming being able to tow over 30,000 pounds that's do we have do we have tra- travel trailers that weigh that much? Might as well pull your house. I mean, we're talking thirty thousand pounds. What, Kevin? What's the average weight of a car? Uh, Thirty-five, thirty-eight hundred pounds. Uh, I'd say maybe forty-one hundred pounds. Thirty-four hundred right. might be light, and then you're looking at five thousand pounds far end, full size, somewhere in that neighborhood. There's a sixteen hundred pound difference between between light and uh, heavy, I guess you can say in that regard. So, you know, you got a 4,500-pound car, you know, you're looking at being able to tow, pull six cars around. Plus the trailer. Plus the trailer. I mean, it's like, okay. I mean, is America becoming that mobile? Is it a knee-jerk reaction to people not flying anymore you know flying is getting so expensive so are we are we on the are we feeling the reaction of everything changing flying being expensive things of this nature now everybody wants a big truck pull a travel trailer pull a fifth wheel I got four slide outs <laughs> I got a jacuzzi you know being, being comfortable doing it I guess I guess that's that's you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be really curious to to see how far it's going to go in the next couple of years. I mean, are we going to breach being able to pull 35,000 pounds? I mean, what's after all this is said and done in the next couple of years, what's the next bar that's going to have to be reached? Well, uh, I guess the electric truck. Yeah. The, the electric truck being more mainstream because right now it's on the cusp of you know, just being a thing. I mean, there's very few companies that are that are floating around the idea of a full-on electric truck. Ford is saying the F-150 will be hybridized by the end of next year. And, and you know, is GM going to go that route? Is, is Ram going to go that route? You know, becoming, becoming electrified. Which... You know, Rivian had some pretty interesting numbers. That's the electric company, the electric truck company here in the U.S. They had some interesting numbers and... and you know, you can't necessarily say these are solid numbers until we see them in print. But, you know, they were talking uh, at their little reveal about a month ago where they revealed the Rivian truck and they were at the, uh, I guess it was the LA Auto Show. And they said, the LA Auto Show. Right. And they said something about it was rated at 700 horsepower. And, and you're thinking, okay, it's electric, and I know you're trying to equate those numbers to real-world terminology and what the average man can understand, woman or woman or man, excuse me. Uh, but I think that that's going to be very interesting to see where the electric truck goes. Uh, I think the farmers and ranchers of the world would love that type of technology once they understand it and can wrap their minds around it because, you know, in an electric vehicle... You don't have a transmission that's shifting gears. 
all you're going to have to do is figure out how to program that the transmission, if that's what you want to call it, you know, to take that power and that electric motor, because each wheel has its own electric motor. So how fast or how much torque can I create with these electric motors? And they're working on them. They're they're diligently working on these things because it's one shot of power. It's not a power band or a power curve. It's straight power. Yeah, have some kind of multi-stage torque uh, delivery system or something like that where the car, the truck will decide, hey, I'm not pulling anything. It's just me or, you know, hey, there's something behind me and I need to engage power delivery in a different way to facilitate Hey, me not pulling myself apart when I'm pulling this trailer. I've talked to some people in the wind industry. Uh, As a matter of fact, I had a beer with a gentleman late Wednesday night that's in the wind industry, and and he was telling me in this area of the panhandle, it's unbelievable how much energy we're producing, and today the wind is blowing at 15 to 20 miles an hour. And when when these farmers and ranchers in this area can wrap their heads around electric trucks and having windmills on their farm. I'm not saying that they're going to be able to plug into the windmills at the farm, but if you look at the industry, the infrastructure is being built to where these power stations and these charging stations are going to be easy to set up. They're going to be so easy to set up. And that's not me talking. That's somebody in the wind industry that said yes. These things are going to be easy to build and have a charging station. If you're a farmer and rancher, is this something that could possibly revitalize the farming industry in America? Electric trucks? Am I brave enough to say that? Yes. I'm brave enough to say that because I think it could actually be possible. You never know what the future holds for these electric vehicles because they're efficient. They're clean. There's going to be no more oil or gas on a farm. There's nothing more pleasing to my mind knowing that if I'm buying fruits and vegetables from a farm, I'm buying them from a place that doesn't have any chemicals. No oil, no gas. Yeah, and the soil. and the, No diesel fuel. Yeah, the, your, uh, your, your expenses in that regard would be a lot less versus yeah. having to spend all that money just to get to... To power your equipment. Exactly. I mean, that's one of the things in America I think a lot of people are starting to realize that it's important to eat healthy. I mean, you've got all these organic farms and uh, health areas of uh, nutrition and I want to be GMO free, I want to be gluten free, and I want to be be healthy. And and is is this the cusp of America becoming healthy? And I'm not saying that electric vehicles is tied to health, but it certainly could. Yeah, as, as a general, as a general whole, you know, or or more clean, more quote clean burning or more efficient, right? Type of type of thing, which I mean, I think it'd be a good thing. At the same time, our dependence on fossil fuels will kind of make it hard. Exactly, you nailed it. Could this be the beginning of us not being reliant on fossil fuels? Now, yes, I, I know there's some naysayers out there that are 
pulling their hair out right now and going, JP, you're crazy. Because, yeah, you've got coal-burning coal plants that creates electricity. But I'm talking about we're on the cusp of changing the industry. This is the beginning of the future of vehicles. I mean, in 2020, you're going to see an introduction to the American public of a lot of electric vehicles on the market. I think the industry is going to shock the industry on how many electric vehicles they're going to try to push out. Which is a very interesting segue into the last of the three things we wanted to discuss today is the the reemergence of the two-door sports car. Yes. Uh, right now, as we understand them, there's no electric two-door anything, really. Uh, Cadillac tried that once, it didn't go over well. Uh, <laughs> and we'll just leave it at that. But everybody who has a two-door really just wants something gas-powered. And with the recent unveilings of the Supra uh, and the GT500, the Supra is supposed to be putting out around 335 horsepower, 365 pound-feet of torque from a BMW made engine. And then the um, the GT500 uh, Shelby, uh, Ford is, is hinting at, if not directly stated, that they're going to be putting out over 700 horsepower. Golly, that's crazy. Yeah, oh, Atlanta. When, when people want a two-door, quote, sports car, they want something fast and fun. Yeah. And uh, especially for the enthusiast, uh, me personally, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. I, I, I'm more of a casual driver that likes to have fun. Mm-hmm. But then you have these guys who like to take these uh, cars, such as the Challenger, uh, the Hellcat, or the new Red Eye, they have the Camaro, or uh, just regular Challenger, Corvette, whatever. Anything that basically has two doors. And they build them up and they take them to the drag strip. So three years ago, the Formula E series got very popular. Right now, there's grumblings of every single American manufacturer trying to get into the Formula E series. And if you don't know what the Formula E series is, those are electric Formula One light series cars. They're light. They're light series. And you can go look up the Formula Light series and you can look up the Formula E series. Now these vehicles are all electric. And halfway through the race, they change vehicle because they run out of battery. <laughs> okay? And it's pretty entertaining. However, if you go to one of these races or if you watch it on TV, there's tons of data acquisition that's being acquired right now. And the three big manufacturers are there. And they're trying to get into that series because it's a, there's nothing like real-world testing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like putting a, building a car and putting it on the street. Uh, data acquisition is priceless. And so... This is the beginning, and I think it's a very interesting beginning because there are some manufacturers that they're not letting in. They can't get in. I'm not going to mention any names, but they're having a hard time getting into this series because it's crowded right now. Uh, So anybody that's in that series now, uh, Chevy, uh, the big three are trying to get into it. Renault is in there. Mercedes is in there. They're, they're, They're trying hard to get data from these people so uh, and you know how manufacturers are they don't let go of that data very easily so 
very interesting uh, podcast. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Uh, I definitely have. It's just the North American International Auto Show is, uh, I think, probably the first big show of the year. I mean, you'll have the Chicago one here in the spring, or maybe sometime in March. Uh, there's a few big ones, uh, a lot of big ones later on in the year. Uh, but just to kind of close out on the last segment, you don't have to worry about uh, the Mustang, well, scratch the Mustang, but the Camaro, the uh, Corvette, Challenger. You don't have to worry about those being electrified because uh, Ram, uh, FCA and GM have no plans to electrify uh, their the two-door enthusiast-oriented vehicles. However, if you drive a Mustang, you might be alienated to that because Ford does plan to have the Mustang electrified by 2020 as well as long as alongside the F-150. But don't fear, the, the two-door sports car is probably going to be here to stay. And just the, the shape that the segment takes here in the future, in the close future now, uh, for right this second, it's going to be gas power. It's going to be a lot of fun to drive. It's going to be geared toward the enthusiast. But this segment here in the next, like I said, in the next couple of years is going to be geared to more of the casual driver with the enthusiast being more of the retro. Uh, they'll, they'll stick with their gas power and tend to stay away from yeah. the, new, the new generations of the two-door sports cars because of efficiency reasons. But you never know. You never know. But there's nothing like a little testing tune and being a shade tree mechanic. Yep. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, folks. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, hope it wasn't too long and drawn out. We've got a lot of subjects that we're trying to cover at once right now and make sure we get all the good information to you guys. And, again, if you have any questions, please reach out to us. You know where to find us. Make sure you look for the link in our Instagram page for this particular podcast. Reach out to us. Message us if you have any questions or any insights or any topics that you'd like us to Indeed. cover. Okay? And uh, don't forget, uh, we'll be dropping in a little snippet here of uh, Cruise Control and Ask a Car Guy anything. This week, it could be a mystery guest. Thanks a lot. Have a great week and hope to see you soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate y'all so much. <laughs>